Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Bread in the Wilderness podcast of St. Mark's Cathedral here in Salt Lake City. I'm Tyler. I'm Holly. And this is another episode of Eat This Book, where we pray through the lections appointed for the coming Sunday in, yes, abbreviated Lexio Divina style, teasing out words, phrases, and images to ponder in our hearts with Mary to see if we might uh, see a little bit more of who and how this God of ours is for us and uh, who this gracious God of ours is calling us to be as God's children. So I'll begin with the Collect for Holy Scriptures and then continue with the Collect appointed for the third Sunday after Epiphany. So the Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior Jesus Christ and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. gospel is good news of salvation for all people. Uh, proclamation of gospel freedom and God's inbreaking into the world to infuse grace into every hurting place. The good news for the poor, mm-hmm. it's often put, uh, which by the way is all of us, um, which is not to write off material poverty, but um, expand the sense of all of us in various states of dependence and need for God. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, I would skip over all the leper stories because I wasn't a leper, so it couldn't Mm. be relevant. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was 10 or 12 or something, but... Awesome. And then I had... It was very strange because, I mean, the school I went to was, what, nominally Anglican, I suppose. There was chapel every day and all that, but we had this uh, principal who came in who spent his entire summers in leper colonies in India. Whoa. And, you know, all the parents were very nervous because he was a little evangelical, a little Jesus-y. But he's, he was the one who said, no, like, the needy, outcast aspect uh, of ourself is mm-hmm. what needs to be uh, lifted up, offered to Jesus to, to touch and heal. And, mm-hmm. Or that he's already coming to do that or however you Mm -hmm. want to figure it but there's a lot of stories and parables where we like to imagine ourselves as the onlooker watching Jesus heal someone else who was really in a hard way Uh, we're all the older brother in the prodigal son one who didn't do anything wrong Uh, you know one of the 99 sheep who didn't get lost Mm. uh, maybe joins a search party uh, or we want to cast the good Samaritan story as something we do, that we're the ones walking by rather than the ones <laughs> dead, <laughs> needing help. It's really hard for us to understand Even ourselves in need. The treasure buried in the field. Mm. There's a man. You must be talking about me, right? I'm the guy. I found the... I'm a treasure hunter. <laughs> I found the treasure. 
Yeah. What's it like to read that from the uh, presence and action of, of the risen Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Sells everything, uh, like sells his whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. To save us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But in a world where you don't need saving, mm. um, and we don't recognize our, our need for a savior because that's just one self-help book away, this like needs to be pointed out again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, how we want to appropriate God's work in us uh, for ourselves and then really take no small amount of credit for it. Lord it over everybody else. Mm-hmm. Terrible. Yeah. I mean, I'm as guilty as anybody no, else. No, me but too. But when I'm in that older brother lording it over self-righteous place, gospel's not very good news until I realize, wait, I am with the pigs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, save me. Yeah. You know, I'm sinking. Yeah. That, then yeah. it's news we can use, as they say. Oh, yeah? I remember the first time I we tried I tried to teach the Jesus prayer here at St. Mark's, like early, early days, like maybe nine years ago or yeah. something. And there's just a revolt, you know, because you're pleading for mercy and you're calling yourself a sinner, anathema, to good good upright Episcopalians, right? Yeah. Um, And it it just showed me, like, I mean, that that is like one of the oldest Christian prayers that comes straight from Scripture. Mm -hmm. Blind Bartimaeus and um, the publican Mm -hmm. sort of mushed together. It might be the longest prayer prayed continuously in Christian history, mm-hmm. over 2,000 years, and it was uh, irrelevant, offensive, um, not a God that people could believe in, um, like fascinating, actually. Mm-hmm. And it started to, it woke me up to the fact that when I was, when you did chaplaincy too, do you remember the little green book you have? Mm-hmm. Did you have that with you? Mm-hmm. And there's this prayer in there, the confession of need. Yeah. Right? And, you know, Virginia's a little bit on the conservative end of things, so you don't shy away from sin, death, <laughs> confession. Mm-hmm. In fact, our dean called us the most confessing seminary in the church because we had you confess at morning prayer you confess at noonday uh, mass and you confess at so three times a day Mm -hmm. right so you don't really shy away from that and when you're when it's optional to skip the confession we didn't you know so when I read that I was like I was was, was like horrified confession of need but that's where you have as a way of dodging sin yes but no but it was a necessary accommodation to people who didn't think they were sinners and also didn't think that God was actually real, present and active. And so it's like this real, like, get you in the door kind of like, hey, it might be that your life doesn't work without Mm -hmm. an in-breaking transcendent reality. (laughs) You too are in need of a savior. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I was like, it's like, whoa. That's good. That prayer. It is. Yeah. I think we used it sometime. I think we used it in Lent one year. I remember I was preaching something like this, and I mm-hmm. we decided we would change it in the liturgy for that yeah. week. But answer readily the call, right? So you've got Jonah next, and you've got Andrew. Mm-hmm. And Peter. Mm-hmm. 
like and last week was uh, Samuel. Mm-hmm. Interesting that there's like all these call stories in Epiphany. In Epiphany, yeah. What do you think that's about? It is interesting. Yeah. Uh, I think Epiphany more than any season of the church here, I have a hard time naming the theme. There's about five themes. Right. Uh, yeah. Light, of course. It is a baptismal season. Mm. Um, I think that's probably the baptismal call and sending out. But uh, also a time when we walk through the teaching ministry and healing ministry of Jesus mm-hmm. um, before the kind of wilderness time of Lent and mm-hmm. preparation for Holy Week, his passion. Uh, yeah, sort of a, a curious mix. And of course, it's all green, pointing towards the connection with ordinary time. I can't ever see the church colors. That's and true. I just find it all so baffling because, uh, like, after Epiphany, you switch back to green. Yes. Feast of Epiphany. Yeah. I mean. In the Roman Catholic Church, we're back in ordinary time now. Yes. In Epiphany. Yeah. I I kind of wonder why we don't just use white all through all the way through. Is that too crazy or? Um. Well, usually white is for incarnational feasts, and you could say that that's what all of Epiphany is: mm-hmm. Jesus's life, yeah. healing, and teaching. Right. Uh, or you could say this is his ordinary sojourn in human life with us. That's true. And save it for baptism and transfiguration. Either way. Fleming Rutledge has a book on Epiphany that I want to read for next year. Wonderful Episcopal preacher. Mm -hmm. So Jonah 3, 1 to 5, and 10. So good Christians read verses 6 through 9 as well. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I shall tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk. And he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. The Gospel of the Lord. Oh, Great. sorry. Either the, way. The Word of the Lord. <laughs> Thanks be to God. Uh, now, I don't know how big Nineveh, this exceeding large city, was, but Brooke and I once walked from Salt Lake to Provo in three days, which is about 47 miles. It's yeah, probably not that big. If you're big. doing three miles a day... Three miles an hour for 10 hours, that's 30 miles. So this could be like 90 miles across. Could be. That's cray-cray. It's not like to probe a man. (laughs) Uh, I think the miracle of Nineveh is that they know they need God. The whole city repents. It's amazing. They hear it. (laughs) Yeah. And they proclaim a fast, and everyone great and small puts on sackcloth. Mm -hmm. And sackcloth can just really be, again, uh, recognizing our need for a savior outside of ourselves mm-hmm. right? it doesn't have to be this shaming oh, no. diminishing yeah. it's a symbol of mourning yeah and Having... like we're at the end of our efforts to save ourselves to make our life go the way we it's not even we it's the advertisers tell us it's supposed to go mm-hmm. it's not self-flagellation you know all this stuff right and that turning from their evil ways mm-hmm of course of the baptismal covenant of turning from evil and from everything that corrupts the creatures of God and turning toward Jesus as our savior putting our whole trust in his grace yep. 
Now, part of the reason, I, it was a, a slip of the tongue, but it, it's also kind of fortuitous because Jonah was in the well how long? Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Three days. Yeah, according to Three days city. Sign of Jonah, yep. book by Merton. But Jonah's sort of this uh, type of Christ, right, for reading Christologically. He's sort of going into the tomb and... Well, it figures Jonah's three-day walk across the city has yeah. Jesus' descent to yeah. death and hell right. for our sake. Yeah. yeah. You know, the other thing I read recently was that, because I get why Jonah wouldn't want to go the same way mm-hmm. that the most trustworthy people who are called don't want to go mm-hmm. the first two, three, four, five, seven times. Mm-hmm. I've come to see that as like, that's what whole people say yeah no I'm not gonna do it <laughs> or or not me or whatever like mm-hmm. when there's that kind of a then the, I think the gravity of the call is actually absorbed yeah um, but so I get that about Jonah that like yeah people who are called often will resist uh, there's also this dimension though that like Nineveh is to Israel as kind of like Iran is to Israel from the mountains to the sea kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, so not only does Jonah have self-doubt but he's also like going into this place where uh, well it's very very unfriendly territory let's sure put. well Jonah doesn't think the Ninevites deserve God's mercy he doesn't because they've done horrible things to the Israelites right yeah and so there's this really interesting way that like forgiveness and reconciliation is also wrapped up in Jonah's call and then proclamation, right? Mm-hmm. His, his prophetic witness. Mm-hmm. Like, interesting that those things all get knotted up together. Mm-hmm. Like, does Even he... without Jonah really opening his heart to the Ninevites. Well, is that the... He right, almost doesn't he... at all. No. And even after he's, Nineveh, all of them repent. He's so mad he's so that mad. God <laughs> is merciful to them. Right. Yeah. Even yeah. when God says, you know, there's thousands of people here whom I love and many animals. <laughs> and Jonah says no. And he starts kvetching about the tree. And, and the worm, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Do you think, like, going overboard and gulped up by um, a whale is like that something in him in him uh, dies in order that he can even make this proclamation? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's Pretty true. perilous. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just as something dies when the people of Nineveh repent and put on sackcloth. Mm-hmm. This is Psalm 62, verses 6 through 14. For God alone my soul in silence waits. Truly my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold, so that I shall not be shaken. And God is my safety and my honor. God is my strong rock and my refuge. Put your trust in him always, O people. Pour out your hearts before him, for God is our refuge. Those of high degree are but a fleeting breath. Even those of low estate cannot be trusted. On the scales they are lighter than a breath, all of them together. Put no trust in extortion and robbery. Take no empty pride. Though wealth increase, set not your heart upon it. God has spoken once, twice have I heard it. That power belongs to God. Steadfast love is yours, O Lord, for you repay everyone according to his deeds.
God alone, my soul in silence waits. He alone is my rock, my stronghold. So one sure place. Mm-hmm. God is my safety and my honor. We're so used to securing our honor in the eyes of other people or in a mm-hmm. professional accomplishments or a bank account. Or, or by violence. Or, yeah. Yeah. It's the unbesmirchable good name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're right with the violence piece. I remember being when I was teaching in high schools and stuff. It was always like somebody disrespected somebody else. Yeah. And you know, it didn't go well. Yeah. Not that we're not going to always get like poked and prodded and oh, sure. react, but what's it like to know our honor is in God and God alone, mm-hmm. rather than what some teenager says about us. Yeah. It's kind of fun how the psalmist also goes to both ends of the socioeconomic spectrum. Mm. Those of high degree are but a fleeting breath, and those of low estate cannot be trusted. It's really, that's like a, a way of saying, place no trust in princes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put no trust in extortion. In human beings. Yeah. yeah. And w- when we're not looking to people for that kind of ultimate security, then we're actually free to relate to them as our neighbor. Mm-hmm. This is 1 Corinthians seven twenty nine to 31 I mean, brothers and sisters, the appointed time has grown short. From now on, let even those who have wives be as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no possessions, and those who deal with this world as though they had no dealings with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I think Paul says this from that steadiness of for God alone my soul in silence waits, having God alone as rock and salvation, or the not shaken, not fleeting place. Mm-hmm. You can hear this as very world divine. You can. Also, Paul will kind of amend. I mean, this is like he, snippet, he really yeah. thinks the parousia is imminent. Mm-hmm. The second coming. Yes. And so he'll kind of modify this as he goes on, but that's one of the things that we always... When you read Paul's letters, and like people do this with Romans all the time, they read it as a repository for doctrine rather than an in-the-air situated contextual address from yeah. a particular person in a particular place to a particular community in a particular place. They're letters. They are letters. (laughs) They are being dictated, (laughs) spoken aloud. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, too, that the present form of this world is passing away. Yeah, always. The present form of the world and the the present form of what we call the self, too, like the old Adam dying and the the new Adam being born. The fleeting breath. Yeah. This is Mark 1, uh, 14 to 20. After John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in the boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. You get the idea Jonah's just walking through the city saying this, and Jesus is just walking along the sea <laughs> saying this. Mm. But he sees Simon and Andrew mm-hmm. and speaks to them specifically as well. Follow me. I'll make you fish for people. I know it's not gender inclusive, but... Fishers of men is a bit more compelling as a phrase. Poetic, yes. Yeah. I mean, this is just so wild that anyone would leave everything and follow after him. So I always imagine sort of the magnetic draw of his person Mm. or like being caught up in a wave or... Like a slipstream. Yeah. There's something that is... They're hooked. (laughs) Also, like, leaving your net, like... Mm. Mending the nets, the ways that we, like, like to trap people, catch people, and our ideas about people, rather than Mm. seeking and serving Christ in them, as our baptismal covenant asks us, calls us to do. It's pretty amazing that they can give up net mending and drop it all. Mm Mm-hmm leave behind their source of financial security and status in the community. Mm-hmm. And family expectations. Yes. Yeah, walks out of the family business. Two immediately mm-hmm. up here, Mark's gospel, Mark's mm-hmm. favorite word. The disciples' immediate response each time. There's a kind of like discerning recklessness or something to the way yeah. that Mark is, I think, modeling for us. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. And this interesting thing, too, where, like, you're used to feeding people with fish, but if you follow me, the bread of life, the water of life, the feeding miracle Jesus, then, like, I'm not sure, like, of course, they're, like, drawing people Mm. into the community, but there's also this way that um, I think it's, like, a little bit of an echo of the, um, you eat the food that perishes, and I'm going to give you the food that doesn't perish. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the way you fish for people is to show them that among the chances and changes of this life, there's one thing that's certain. Mm-hmm. Kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Gospel proclamation, of course, but also Jesus has come near. He's mm-hmm. embodying what he is saying. It's curious, you know, Luther talks about us, God repents us. He switches the source sure. of the action around, obviously. Yeah like Luther's want to do. But that's, a, that's, I think, more like what happens. Mm-hmm. It's not like... Jesus isn't telling people to do something. By speaking it, it is happening yeah. around him, and people turn and drop their nets and yeah. follow him. Yeah. yeah. So we are repented. Short little set. Short little set, and this is recorded very late in the day on a Thursday. Yes, it is. So... If until next Not time. Not quite so chatty. Apologize. It's been a long day. <laughs> yep. All God right. bless everyone. <laughs>